Brown for the LA Clippers. You're now tuning in to Cruise Control, hosted by my man, Randy Cruz. Holla. Hey, and welcome to another edition of the Cruise Control Podcast here on iTunes and SoundCloud.com. If you have not downloaded or subscribed or given us a rating for the show, I would highly encourage you to do so. We've been around for maybe two years, so uh, if you are a fan of the show, I would greatly appreciate you just downloading it, hearing it, subscribing to it, uh, giving us a a great five-star rating for the show. Again, Cruise Control Podcast on both iTunes and SoundCloud. Dot com And today, uh, Tuesday, August 23rd, 2016, here in New York City, uh, I'm going to talk about New York Knicks NBA basketball with a good friend of mine all the way out from California, Sean Aquino. He is the host of the NYK Exchange Podcast, presented by NYKInformation.com. Sean, what's up, my man? How you doing? Oh, doing well, Randy. Thanks so much for having me on. How are you? Doing good, man. Um, enjoying the rest of the summer. You know, time is going by real quick. We're about to be in September in about a week or so. So um, with us being NBA fans, we know once September hits, we, we talk about training camp and, you know, getting back to the business of the NBA. So uh, me and you are both Knicks fans. You're all the way on the West Coast in California. I'm here on the East Coast in New York. So... Um, anytime that we can talk basketball, I, I, I definitely always appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, oh, it's my pleasure. I love doing this. Yeah. You come on our show, we'll come. I'll always be on your show whenever you want. Uh, your show is just tremendous, and uh, I'm a big fan. So it's definitely an honor to be invited once again, for sure. No doubt, man. Anytime. So for the people that's going to hear this later on, I, like I said, I know you're in California, but what part are you from California? I'm from a city called Burbank. It's where the Johnny Carson used to do the Tonight Show. So it's about, I'd say, 10-minute drive from Hollywood, 30-minute drive from the beach. Uh, it's kind of like a little suburban area mm. around the outskirts of like the city. So it's like a 20-minute drive from downtown L.A. So I, uh, I grew up here, but my parents were, were came from New York, came to New York from um, from Argentina. So that's how I kind of grew up a, a Yankees and a Knicks fan. So. So that's how that whole thing started out. So everyone's like, well, you're from L.A., but how could you be a Knicks fan? Especially growing up in the 90s, man. I mean, I first started watching the Knicks in 1990. I was 10 years old. And, and then from there, it kind of, you know, I got into a lot of fights in middle school and high school with all, all of the Bulls fans and then later on with the Lakers fans. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it, it, was, uh, it was fun, though. You know, so that's pretty much, uh, yeah, you know, I'm from L.A. and Burbank. If, if you've ever heard of the city, it's, it's a small city. Hey man, don't feel bad because you know me. I've I've lived in New York my entire life, and the first go around of my childhood, um, growing up, I was a big time heavy Chicago Bull fan. And again, people would people would tell me, you know, how can you live in New York and be a Bull fan? And I'm like, well, the Knicks don't have Michael Jordan, plain and simple. So there you go. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. I, yeah, but like when you yeah. fast forward 15 years later, you know, I I eventually became a Knicks fan. Uh, the Bulls team, they, they dismantled and stuff like that. So I was yeah. like, I had to pick one team, and the Knicks were it. Yeah, no, for sure. So, yeah, me and you, like I said, me and you are big-time Knicks fans. The the, the, the season is, uh, you know, slowly 
upon us, man. We, we got to go through the whole training camp and all that stuff, preseason. You know, I can't wait till October. But a lot has happened in the last few months with our team, uh, I think for the better, for the benefit of the organization. And it, it, it's always great to have Knicks fans come on the show and kind of give me their their opinion on what they think mm-hmm. of how the Knicks are doing or will do. Um, so far, it, it, it has been positive, but I know sometimes yeah. a, a Knicks fan can be like, well, I thought it was good, but X, Y, and Z, they should have did this, they should have done that. So I'm going to start with you. Yeah. Uh, today... Derek Rose, I'm, I'm going to get the quote verbatim. He said, I think we have Derek Rose, who is currently on the New York Knicks, says, I think we have a chance to win every game. And I think in the league, that is rare. Um, obviously, that is rare because 82-0 has never happened. Um, I doubt the Knicks go 82-0. Um, I mean, just you as a fan, and you, and, and you hear that. Um, <laughs> do you laugh at that? Or are, yeah. are, you, are you more like... D Rose, I, I love the fact that you're here and you want to play the game and, and play with the Knicks. But I appreciate the passion. But let us just make the A seed in the playoffs and see see what happens from there. Yeah, you know it doesn't bother me because, but at the same time, it doesn't get me really. Um, uh, you know, I, I I can't get really mad at that. But I'm also going to be very realistic about the chances for this for this squad. In one sense, you know. Um, you need you need your players on your team to have the utmost belief in their abilities to to, to be a you know to be a good team to be a, a winner and so therefore Rose is doing that and he has that confidence and that's where he came from his culture in Chicago this is a team that won sixty wins every single season before he got hurt so this is really really important for him to be able to come through and provide that kind of um, thought process to the club and I think Joe Kim Neal is probably going to be the same way and so Rose has always been a very highly confident player despite his, you know, injury history. So I'm okay with it. I think realistically what the Knicks are going to be is, you know, it's fine if they're a, you know, 45-win team to me. I mean, I'm totally fine with that as long as everyone stays healthy. that That's the most important thing for me is that the players that we have on this team stay healthy to show that they're going to be worth those four-year contracts that we build out um, to, to Noah. I mean, I think Courtney Lee's going to be able to do that, but, um, but, you know, Noah's long-term deal kind of was a little bit of concern to me. And then Derek Rose's impending free agency this summer uh, because, you know, if he has a great year, I, I'm kind of a little concerned about giving him a new five-year contract. So instead of going 82-0, and 0, you had the Knicks falling short by uh, 30, 30-something games, 45 dubs, um, that should get them in the playoffs. I don't know what seed that'll be, but um, our one, yeah. let, let's rewind just a little bit. When they got D Rose in the trade with Chicago, um, were you one of the, one of those fans like, man, we gave up Lopez, Calderon, and Jerry and Grant, mm-hmm. and then D Rose not the D Rose of, of 2011 and his whole MVP season, or were you yeah. just happy that you got rid of some guys and felt like this is just this was just going to be a one year trial thing and see where it goes with Derrick Rose? Yeah, no, that, I was really on the fence. I remember when Ian Begley reported that the Knicks were having a trial discussions about making that move, and my first reaction, I went to Twitter and I was like, "Come on, yeah, right, Phil Jackson wouldn't be that dumb." Um, I'm going to be honest. That that was my first response uh, because I thought to myself, okay, 
Um, you know, let's keep our let's keep everything open for Russell Westbrook next summer. Let's see another year of a young Jerry Grant who costs less than two million dollars a year, and let's kind of build around Porzingis in that sense. So that that's kind of, that's where I was at first, and then as the whole plan I guess came together, you know, you never know. Maybe Westbrook let it be known earlier on that he was more apt to stay with OKC than we thought. And sometimes it happens between front offices and management. Sometimes there are discussions that, hey, really, Nick, you don't have a chance for a Chris Paul or a Russell Westbrook in 2017. And we've all seen the type of performance that Carmelo Anthony could put up with a top-five point guard. So at that point, I started seeing it from that perspective after the deal was made and thinking that, okay, maybe Phil Jackson is saying, let's take a one-year flyer on this guy, and if he performs well, then he could show what the triangle and Jeff Hornacek um, system together could do. Um, and, and so, therefore, I was a little bit more open to that type of a move. But initially, yeah, I was very skeptical, but I'm definitely more um, open to it now. But I think, in the, you know, in another way, if, if he does play well, I would be more apt to um, not signing him to a five-year max next summer because of his injury history um, and trying to figure out some other way of, of maximizing his skills in, in a more affordable uh, contract, um, or you know, it's an audition for another point guard. That you know, Kyle Lowry or a, another guy who might be available in the summer to kind of say, you know what, in that system, I could do well, and and then maybe we move on from Rose if he really insists on a five-year match. So we'll see. Sean, this is the part that gets me. Um, I'm pretty sure you have Nick fans on your timeline and people you follow on Twitter and say, Jose Calderon is a bum. He's this, he's that. He should not be our starting point guard. We got to get rid of him. We got to trade him. We got to do everything possible that he's not on the roster next year. And when you finally find someone to trade for him, you say, oh, but we're getting Derrick Rose. I mean, he's not healthy, though. And I'm like... Yeah, you're getting uh, okay. Uh, the, the name is bigger than Jose Calderon. We get that, but right. you want to get rid of Calderon. He was not doing well. I, maybe the uh, a, a bad point guard for the triangle, and you get Derrick Rose, a former All Star, MVP, all that good stuff. And then the first thing fans are like, "Yeah, but uh, is he going to be hurt the whole year? Is he going to play eighty games or seventy games?" My thing yeah. is, we just got rid of Jose Calderon and got a former MVP who is still in his 20s. It's not like he's, you know, 100% hurt at the moment. He he played right. 65 games last year. Let's see what he can do. And he's still on a, a one-year deal. It's not like we're getting him that he's already in the middle of a four- or five-year deal. It's a, it, it's a big-time trial run. It may work. Yep. It may not work. But once July comes, the big decision is, looking at what he did you know, throughout the year and say, well, do we keep him, do we sign him long-term, or do we go yeah. after the Chris Pauls and whoever else, Stephen Curry, who may be out there because Westbrook is off the market. So I, I, to me, I like the, the idea of getting him here. It's one year. It, it's, it, it could be a high risk, or low risk but high reward, and mm-hmm. we'll, come with, we'll come to that crossroad of keeping him long-term or letting him go in July. But for the time being, I think the Knicks did, did a fantastic job of getting a former MVP. And look what you gave up, Calderon, Lopez, and Jerry and Grant. And, and for, the, for the first time, the Knicks, they make a deal and they don't trade a, a, a draft pick. No, yeah, I understand. I mean, that's the thing. The Knicks should very well find themselves next summer in a situation where 
you know, Kyle Lowry resigns, Westbrook resigns, Chris Paul, Curry, they all resign. And then the Knicks are led with, okay, we still have Jerry and Grant. And say Jerry and Grant only proves himself to be no more than a capable backup. And you still have Robin Lopez at center. And then you have Derrick Rose on the market. And say Derrick Rose has a big year with Chicago. Um, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna, you, the Knicks need to get a top-flight point guard or a guy that can at least score somewhere between 15 to 18 points a game, six assists, and become a more efficient score. I mean, that's right. been like the knock on Rose. That he takes a lot of shots, shoots a low percentage, not a very good outside shooter. But see, what I tend to think is I believe that Jeff Warnesek is absolutely the perfect coach for players like Derrick Rose and Brandon Jennings. And in, 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 in this sense, you know, look at what he did with Isaiah Thomas and and uh, and Drogic and uh, in Phoenix and, and Isaiah Thomas. When the three of them were playing point cards in Phoenix in Hornacek's first year, they won almost 50 games, and Hornacek was in the top three for Coach of the Year. And so he knows to put maybe a combination of Hornacek and Rose on the floor together pushing the pace, attacking the rim, will only open up three-point shots for Carmelo Anthony, Chris Porzingis, Courtney Lee, uh, Lance Thomas. Uh, these are guys that can shoot the, the three ball. So that's where I think that if we if we ran the same old tire triangle offense, I think it would be a terrible fit with Derrick Rose. But I think Jeff Hornacek could actually maximize Derrick Rose's potential. And I think also, I, I do believe that him moving to New York and, you know, moving away from the stress of being a hometown boy in Chicago is going to help rejuvenate him and give him an opportunity to shine. So I think in that case, you have to take that kind of chance because you do kind of owe it to Carmelo Anthony to try to give him a couple years of winning before, you know, he gets to the age where he won't be, a, you know, as potent of an offensive player. Now, since you mentioned Melo, you know, he's he's doing the – well, he did the Olympics. He's now a three-time gold medalist winner. Um, the question is, I'm probably, I probably sound scrambled here, but the question is basically, do you think either the media or the fans make a big deal about when it comes to athletes and players in, 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 in any sport, uh, baseball, football, basketball, that uh, – you, you get undervalued or you, you don't get the recognition you might deserve if you're not a, a, a champion or if you don't win a ring. Now, Melo is one of them. We've always talked about you know people like Ewing and Stockton, Malone, Barkley, all-time great players, all Hall of Famers, but when you're trying to mention who are the greatest or who's the best two-guard or center, these guys or power forwards, these guys, you know, tend to go you know, in the back of the line because they don't have a, a world championship. Does a guy like Melo and, and, and other guys get looked at by the media or the fans more that um, if, you, if you don't win a world championship, you're not considered to be a great player or, or, or even a Hall of, Fame, uh, Hall of Fame player? What's your opinion on that? Yeah, I, I think that there's something to be said about that, but at the same time, there's something to be said about um, the greats that, I mean, I think to be great, yes, you need to somehow figure out to find yourself 
on a championship team. I mean, I think that that is unfortunately the stigma that gets placed on a player. Like, for example, I think they looked at Dominique Wilkins' numbers and they were almost identical in points and rebounds and, and field goal percentage as Carmelo Anthony. Mm. And when you think about Dominique Williams or Wilkins, you think about him as a, you know, one of the best dunkers of all time and just a super potent scorer, right? Um, you only think of Carmelo. I think Carmelo will be remembered as a, a potent scorer a great champion still in college. I think no one will forget what he did at Syracuse. No one will forget the fact that he was the first guy to three Olympic gold medals. And I think the NBA thing will be somewhat, you know, it's not that I don't think he'll get that because of the way that he's been, the way he handles to me, the way he's been handling the New York media, he's gotten better every single year. You know, the first couple of years, he was almost too open and honest and the media would attack the, the day after with an article. And now he's found himself in a, in a place where, you know, you have a lot of Knicks beat writers that openly speak, you know, positively about Carmelo, despite the fact that he makes them wait a little bit longer after games for, because he takes long showers or whatever. But that I think that ultimately the New York media is going to write the narrative about Carmelo Anthony. And, and, you know, the scrutiny is high when you're playing. But I think when you really look at the clubs that the Knicks have had in the last three years, they are not playoff caliber teams, and and, and that that will they'll look historically back at that. And then in his earlier part of his career with Denver, I mean the Western Conference was you know stacked back then too. They went to the Western Final, losing to the, you know the Lakers, and so I think people will consider won't 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 be too harsh on him. I think if he was a better defensive player and a better passer. Uh, yeah, I think he would probably be at a higher echelon. But, uh, you know, I, I think Chris Paul lucked out. I think the first eight years of his career in, in New Orleans, uh, he didn't have the type of uh, surroundings that he needed to, 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 to do well. And even now with the Clippers, somehow the Clippers always find a way to choke something away or not be able to make it to the next level. And people don't really knock Chris Paul as much. So I think he and Carmelo and Chris Paul will probably share the similar state if they don't win a championship. And I think Carmelo will be considered um, the best scorer of his generation before Kevin Durant came in. And I think Chris Paul will probably be considered before, like, Steph Curry is the best point guard of his uh, first 10 years. I, I really think that. So if you look at 2003 to 2013, you'll say the best scorer was Carmelo and the best point guard was Chris Paul. And, and I think that'll be a, a significant enough niche to, to consider them one, you know, some, of, some of the best players ever. Right, to me, to me, uh, Sean. If someone asks me, what do you think of Melo? I think Melo. I think Melo is a great player. I think, you know, even going back to the Chris Paul stuff, Chris Paul has had. I think I would say Chris Paul has had better teams to play up to play on and play with yeah. than Melo. You know, even going back to to his Denver days and, um, you know, now now with the Knicks and he, Chris Paul. Chris Paul is basically. Carmelo Western Conference because he he can't get past the second round. I know Melo went to the Western Conference Finals back in 09 just 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 one time. He hasn't been past the second round with the Knicks. And I think it's you know people are are going to look at it two ways. One, if you have a ring, you kind of get placed above everybody else. But at the same time, for those who have a ring, you know, were they dominant in their in their prime? Were they dominant in in their time frame of playing? Because I I can't I can't say oh people like 
Robert Ori's better than Marlo, uh, Carmelo because he has seven rings. I, I to me, I can't sit here and, and, and lie to you and and, and and say that. I can't tell you, right. you know, Adam Morrison who got two rings with the Lakers is better than Carmelo Anthony. I mean, let, let, let's knock not. it off. Yeah. But I, I guess what they talking about is if you're the main guy, you're the main star, you're the main attraction, you're you're the box office guy, and you don't win a championship. People, whether it's media or fans, they just, they just kind of put you in a different category. And even when Melo said, "Well, if if I don't win one title and I have three Olympic gold medal, um, mm-hmm. and I have one NCAA championship, and I go, I keep going on, and I'm a top ten scorer all the time, end of the day, you're you're a Hall of Famer. It, it's not your fault you don't win a ring because people like Barkley and AI and Reggie Miller, those guys are great players, but they they ain't win no ring, but I mm-hmm. guess I guess we're all we're always caught up in in is you know who's better kind of conversation. End of the day, um, rings are valid, but I don't think rings should be the main focus of the conversation. Yeah, no, absolutely. It should never. It should that should never come down to that. I mean, you look at like David Robinson, uh, Patrick Ewing, and Akeem Elijah one, right? They're all great, but David Robinson he got very lucky. Tim Duncan came out. As, you know, in his lighter years, in his twilight years, and Pat, very you lucky. never had that, you know. Yeah, I mean, he he got very lucky. Uh, I think. Um... You know, Olajuwon did it in the era when there was no Jordan. I mean, any even if Ewing got it done in that era, people people were always going to say, "Well, you know, Michael wasn't there." End of the day, yep. they they still had to go out and win championships, and and those playoffs back then were were were, were crazy brutal paces and signings and suns. So, um, the talent yep. was good back then, but I I just think nowadays we we get caught up with the. Uh, the, the 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 water cooler talk of who's better, who's this, who's the Hall of Famer, yeah. who's, your, who's your top five. I'm not picking a guy who don't have who doesn't have a ring. I just think it gets overblown. And a guy like Meadow, uh, Mello, who really speaks out of what he truly feels, maybe he got a mis- misinterpreted. But I think regardless whether Mello wins a, a ring or not, he's going to be an all-time great player. That that's just my opinion. Yeah, and I think Knicks fans are going to look back at him in extremely high regard for the things that he accomplished. I mean, I think for his social activism, for his Olympic gold medals. I think the, the 54 win, you know, Atlanta Division champion 2012 Knicks are going to be looked at as a team that was uh, really fun. And, and that kind of annoys me uh, that a lot of people would rather talk about insanity or, you know, that span of a couple months with Jeremy Lin as the highlight of their Knicks fandom over the last 10 years and they totally forget how much joy we felt watching that Knicks team from just four years ago. I mean, that team uh, with, with Novak and Copeland and Mello uh, off the fast great team, those threes, was a, was a great team to, to follow and, and watch. And, um, and I think that at the end of the day, you know, that like, was how he scrutinized when he was here, and then afterwards you look back and, and you look at him in a positive light. I think Carmelo's attitude also is going to play a lot into the narrative of how we see him um, in, you know, 10 years from now. Our guy, Porzingis, uh, second year coming up. Uh, I, I thought he had a, uh, a pretty decent rookie year. He lost to the uh, the eventual rookie of the year in Carl Anthony Towns. Um, in your opinion, w- w- What's the rise going to be for, for Porzingis? Because when they add Jennings and Rose and Courtney Lee and Joe Kim Noah and still Melo, 
at some point the focus is the growth and the potential that Porzingis has going forward. Um, in your opinion, as a fan and watching him, what are some what are some areas you feel he needs to work on that he, that he needs to progress on uh, um, this season? Yeah, well, I think he obviously his he's got the ability to not only shoot from the outside, uh, but he has the ability to make some moves there. A little bit uncanny for a guy seven foot three. His defensive potential is off the charts. I mean, the way he moves his foot, he moves his feet, it's just unbelievable. So I think what I'm going to be looking for for Porzingis this year is going to be just an improvement on the defensive end in terms of him being able to anchor the center position in those second units. I don't think Noah's going to play a lot of minutes at center. I think he's going to play maybe 25 to 30, and you're going to see a lot more Porzingis at the five and Carmelo at the four, especially late in the first and third quarters. Um, and, and and so I want to be able to see if Porzingis can, you know, and set himself up so that when Noah retires in four years or whatever, that he'll be the starting center for the Knicks. I think offensively what we want to see is that, as Chris Heron reported, usually European players from the outside, first year they shoot pretty poorly from three-point land. I think KP shot around 32 33% for three, but his stroke looks like he's a guy that can shoot closer to 40%. So, I'm hoping and I'm expecting him to get to that 37, maybe even 38 percent range from three, which would be tremendous for him because then that will open up the opportunity for him when the defensive closeouts come to defend him at the three-point line, for him to take that next step and be good at being able to put the ball on the floor and avoiding that defensive rotation and then driving into a mid-range shot or driving all the way to the basket. Uh, that is like that step that I really want to see from KP. You know, you can see with Durant now. I mean, you, you're going to see it a lot with Golden State next year. You can't leave Durant open, but if you do retreat back and tie, he'll be able to sidestep and get the other shot he wants or drive all the way to the rim. So when Porzingis starts doing that, he's so much more agile even than Carl Anthony Towns because he's smaller and skinnier. That's when Porzingis has the ability to be, I mean, really scary. So hopefully we see a lot of you know more potential on that end this year, and I think I think we will also see how he does passing the ball out of the post and triangle sets. He's not a bad passer at all, and it's going to be really cool to see he and Noah at the four or five um, sometimes when they're back to the basket and, and moving the ball and, and passing the ball with each other, passing the ball to Cutter. So that should be pretty cool. Yeah, let me get to Noah, man. I, I you know a lot of fans were. I w- you know what? I would say a lot. Some were like, you know what? Noah, at his age, off the injury with the shoulder, four years. Uh, I guess some were more in favor of keeping Lopez. And I know I know Lopez had to be involved in that deal with Chicago. But um, would you have would you have preferred to keep Lopez if if you could have, or getting Noah? I know he's a bigger name, but getting Noah. Yeah. Um, and what he's, you know, he's been able to do former defensive player of the year and, you know, all-star. Are you more sat- satisfied with Noah and Lopez or does the years on the contract concern you the most? Yeah, I think in, in that sense, I think you got Robin Lopez at 27 years old, Joe Kim at 31. Joe Kim's going to be 35 when his contract expires and Lopez has been 30 or 31. And I think, so you got guys that are in different wavelengths, and, and the way that Noah's history, injury history has been the last few years, it's definitely concerning. There's no doubt about it. Um, 
But I think last year had more to do with a you know one-off shoulder situation that I think is I know it's fully healed, so that shouldn't be a problem. I know he had more knee issues two years ago, and knee issues are always very scary. And it is a big contract, four years, seventy-two million dollars is a lot of money, um, especially when for me personally, I think if you want to be the potent modern offense that Jeff Hornacek can run, I think you it would be a deadly combination to have Porzingis at the five and Carmelo at the four. And I think Hornacek knows this, and I think that's what he's going to run a lot with. I think I really I think we're going to see a lot of that because that's where Melo did most of his damage at the four, statistically. But that being said, Noah has so much to bring in a lot of different areas, and. The way that he can bring his leadership and his, you know, his teaching, his mentoring ability to KP to help KP ultimately become the starting center for the Knicks, and he can be a mentor on that end of the floor. And also, he's he's one of the best passers. So even though he only played 30 or something games last year, it per 36 minutes numbers. I mean, he averaged I think over 14 rebounds per 36 and over six assists, which were his best numbers of his career in very limited time because. As you know, he he got out of favor with the coach out there in Chicago, and he ended up backing up Gasol at the five. So I also think that played away, uh, played into Noah not playing very much and not playing very inspired. He obviously didn't believe in the system. He felt like he was pushed aside. People didn't know if it was Butler's team, his team, or D Rose's team, and it led to a lot of the dysfunction in Chicago. So I I look forward to him being healthy this year, and that's why, I, like I said earlier. I want to see that Noah's able to play the whole year so that I could say, okay, well, he's, he's going to be cool in three more years after next, you know? And for me, as long as he plays 25 minutes and plays at the level of Robin Lopez, if he's healthy, he's going to play better than Robin Lopez. If he's healthy, that definitely he'll be able to do. And he's that fiery leader that could hold everyone accountable in the locker room, including Melo. He's a guy that Derek Rose can rely on personally and on the court. So there's a lot of intangibles that he brings, and he can't literally change the identity of the Knicks team to a team that's closer to the team that we grew up watching in the 90s. And that is something that is uh, you can't really put a price tag on. And so for those reasons, I, I, at the end of the day, you know, I'm, like, I'm, I'm cool with that because I think that he's a, big, a good mentor to Porzingis. So how, how happy are you that the fact that the Knicks don't have Kurt Rambis as their head coach anymore? Um, I'm ecstatic, and, I, <laughs> and you know what? Yeah. I mean, I'm ecstatic. Everybody thought, oh, it's going to happen. Rambis going to be the coach. And I was like, no, I don't think Phil Jackson would do that to him. Mm, <laughs> no, because I, it, man, Sean, I, you know, when he passed up on Tibbs and then he heard whether he was going to interview uh, Frank Vogel. I, I'm not sure if he did or not. He probably did. He probably didn't. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, Frank Vogel was out there. He he took his team to the Eastern yeah. Conference Finals. Um, that'll be great, but he went to Orlando. Um, then, to me, out of out of nowhere, Jeff Hornacek was like, oh, shit, Jeff Hornacek is out there. I, yeah. I had no idea, one, eight, the Phil was going to talk to him or even – you know that Jeff was even on on the radar to be to be yeah. coming to the the new coach and whether whether he was going to teach the, the the triangle or teach a different offense but or teach a little bit of both I don't know at the end of the day we don't have Kurt Rambis here no more and and I'm fine with that and I think Jeff Hornacek with Derrick Rose 
and Brandon Jennings at the point guard can can do some really interesting things with them because, like you said before, in Phoenix he had Dragic, he had uh, Brandon Knight, he had Isaiah Thomas all on one roster, which uh, which is crazy to even uh, think about that. But um, they were one game they were one game away from the playoffs uh, in Jeff's first year with Phoenix. They were really up and down, fast paced team. So I think. With him on board, he's going to try that with the Knicks, with Derrick Rose and Jennings. And to me, uh, the guy seems like a great guy, great head coach, which is, you know, it'll remain to be seen what he can do with the roster. And I mentioned Jennings. What is your take on him? And again, I, I thought he was going to have a workout or something with, with the Brooklyn Nets. And that that never happened. And I look at my phone one one day, and it says Brandon Jennings signs a one year deal with the Knicks. I'm like, okay, cool. Again, one year deal. It's not a max. It, 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 it's not a max contract. It's not two three years like they gave Kyle Quinn and something like that. So getting Jennings for one year to back up D Rose in the event something happens. Um, what's your take on Jennings uh, becoming the backup point guard to Derrick Rose? Yeah, I think, like you said, I think $5 million is a deal one year. Let's see how he does. Obviously, coming off the Achilles injury, he came back and didn't play the full season, but he was great in the sense of, like, you know, it was kind of like he spent that time last year kind of rehabilitating himself. So I think that having that time plus the summer is going to have him pretty much back to normal um, come this training camp on September 26th. So what he all he needs to provide is someone that, can play again, you know, 25 minutes off the bench to, to spare Derrick Rose. And then at the same time, a guy that hey, maybe plays a little bit longer and can play alongside Derrick Rose in some opportunities with a two-guard two set. Uh, so that that's huge. You know, he, he's notoriously not a good shooter. You know, he's, he jacks up a lot of shots. He's in a low 40 percentile. But, again, I think what the Knicks knew is that they needed a way to penetrate they needed guys that were able to take their man off the dribble and take it to the, the hole and open up space for their shooters. And I think that Rose and Jennings are perfect in that regard. So I'm excited to see them. And, and more importantly, I mean, the guys always wanted to be a Nick ever since he was drafted. Right. So, you know, that, again, this is what's most exciting is that we got guys that want to be New York Knicks and, and they really want to be New York Knicks. And, 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 that, and guys are high-quality guys that have a lot to prove and very talented players that want to be New York Knicks. And I think Jennings is going to be definitely motivated. He's already kind of reminding me of a little J.R. Smith in the sense of his way he acts on social media, the way he's very outgoing. Um, but he, you know, he, he, I'm going to be really excited to watch him play the lefty, but Jackson likes lefties in, in the triangle. So, um, yeah, it's going to allow Jeff Hornacek to do a lot. And uh, that's another, like you said, Hornacek's very impressive to me. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, you know what? I think you said it, you know, the best way to, to describe it is that you got guys like Noah and Jennings and obviously Courtney Lee who who wanted to come here. I know Derrick Rose was the first domino to come here. He came via a trade, so it's not like he had much of a say. And I guess once he got on board, Joe Kim Noah was like, all right, F it, I'm coming too. And he mm-hmm. hit up Jennings, and he hit up Courtney Lee. Like, come on, come to New York, let's do this. And now you got guys, you know, 
whether they're, they're from here or not, they, they wanted to be here. They wanted to be New York Knicks. They know Melo is here. They know Porzingis is eventually going to be a big-time star. So I think when you have players that come here that want to be here and put on that, that Nick uniform and not just here for the money, I think that separates everything of the kind of player that you're going to get on and off the court throughout the year. So, you know, you know Jennings, is, he, feels, he feels New York. Joe Kinoa is New York. Courtney Lee, I, 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 I really don't know too much about like that personal-wise, but I feel like he, he's going to contribute right away as the uh the starting two guard. They they gotta they gotta bolster that bench up a little bit. I know they kept Lance Thomas. They um they let go of, of Langston Galloway. He's now with the Pelicans. Um mm-hmm. trying I know they got they, they signed a few guys that, that weren't drafted. I think Ron Baker from Wichita uh Wichita State. Uh, a few other guys if you want to help me out here. But I know they when it Chase comes Randall. Yeah Chase Randall from Stanford, right? Okay, uh, and uh, they still got O'Quinn, right? Yeah, they got O'Quinn, and they got Maurice Indoor, who was a summer league star from two years ago, who uh, played at Real Madrid in Spain last year. He's like a six nine guy who, man, he he was a star summer league, and uh, he ended up playing with Dallas, and then he hurt and broke, broke his ankle, and he got released by Dallas. Then you got Hernan Gomez, who just picked up a, uh, a bronze medal backing up Pau Gasol on the Spanish national team. You got uh, Lindowskis, uh, Mindiga, I can't say his first name. The Mindy Project, people call him. Uh, Kuzminskis, who played on the Lithuanian Olympic team, who played really well there. He's 26 years old. Um, I think he's going to be pretty good. I think you're going to see Kuzminskis break the rotation. So, uh, yeah, but a lot of guys that, you know, are not known around the league, but guys that play defense um, or guys like, you're going to see Kuzminskis, Randy. You're going to see him as more of a Derek Williams type. I know we lost Steve Will, but he's the same type of player. He's very explosive, could run the floor. Mm. And he's actually a better three-point shooter than Williams, uh, legitimately a better three-point shooter. So I think the Knicks want to be able to run the floor, so therefore I think he's going to see more time on the court. Yeah, I, I, I think overall they got they got to bolster that bench. How, however they're going to do it, I don't know, but I think they – they need to add some guys, whether whether they're veterans or they're they're younger guys who did not get drafted. But I think um, when it comes to crunch time, people like Melo and the Porzingis and Noah are going to come out the game, and somebody somebody has to come in and and, and take the lead and take their spot um, to give them rest. So they, you know, we don't need Melo playing forty minutes a game. We don't need Porzingis playing forty five minutes a game. I would love to see Porzingis. Play in 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 crunch time. I think that's one area he did not get much uh, of time with Derek Fisher, where it'd be a tight game, and you know whether it's at home or on the road, they, he did not have poor zingers in in the fourth quarter either at all or late in the game. So hopefully he'll get that time with Hornacek. But the last one I got for you, Sean, before I let you go, um, other teams in the Eastern Conference, they 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 really did some work this uh, this off season. Mainly the the Indiana Pacers getting Jeff Teague and Al, um, Al Jefferson, um, somebody else they got they got uh, from from Brooklyn uh, uh, Thaddeus yeah, Young, Thaddeus Young, yeah. Um, you know Atlanta got Dwight Howard, Boston gets um, Al Horford, um, Ibaka to Orlando. I, I'm not saying Orlando is a playoff team, uh-huh. but D Wade he goes to Chicago now. 
Um, Joe Johnson leaves Miami. He goes to Utah. So a lot of people are moving back and forth. Um, Toronto, I think, stayed the same. Cleveland did not really do much. So when you look at the Eastern Conference as a whole and taking the taking into account what the Knicks and, and everybody else did, and not counting Cleveland right now because they are the the defending champions, but yeah. How do you how do you look at what other teams did in trying to compete with the Cavaliers this season aside from the New York Knicks? Well, I think uh, I think Boston did the best in terms of Al Horford is going to be huge for them. I think um, they really didn't have a a good big man NBA big man. You know, they had a combination of guys that just weren't ready yet. So I think that's going to make a major difference for them. I, I expect them to really take a, a step forward and be the biggest competition for um, for uh, the Cavaliers. Also because Marcus Sparks is going to be another year a better defender. You have a very good defensive team, and you have a guy who can penetrate in Isaiah Thomas with, with Horford. So I think Boston is the team that's most prepared. I agree with you on Toronto. I think they're going to be the same, and I think that beyond goal gave them a lot of huge minutes that I don't know if they're going to be able to replace moving forward um, in the playoffs. And so I expect them not to make it back to these conference finals. But that being said, I really believe it's open. I I know Greg Anthony was on Bleacher Report two days ago, former Nick Greg Anthony, and he said, I think the Knicks can make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. And you know what? I think they can. And even though I said the Knicks have won 45 years, I think they can. I'm not saying they will. I'm not saying it's a probability. But I still think that the Eastern Conference is very open um, for the Knicks to, to, to make a run, you know, because of the combination of that, what we talked about, the sense of belief, the sense of purpose, the sense of representing the city and the talent all together. And I think that you're going to be very, all of us are going to be very surprised by Jeff Hornacek's ability to connect with players. The environment's going to be a lot more loose compared to the way Derek Fisher had things going. And I think that Hornacek has going to build that good relationship with Phil Jackson, and they're going to get to a very collaborative environment where they're going to do some pretty creative, innovative things. I really... I'm expecting to see that happen this year. And I, when I look at the roster, I go, man, this team had a great coach. I think Jeff Hornacek has the ability to be a guy in the same vein as Steve Kerr in terms of being innovative and, and connecting with players. So we'll see if that happens. That's the intangible there. Let's see if that works out. But you mentioned the other clubs. Yeah, Toronto, Boston. Um, I'm not huge on Indiana. I think Indiana losing George Hill is going to make them actually the worst defensive player, also losing a uh, team. Also losing Ian Mahimi, I think they're going to be a worse defensive team. Losing Frank Vogel, I think it's going to really hurt them. Um, so I'm, I'm expecting Indy to drop out. Uh, Atlanta's losing Horford, that's going to be a problem. And then now focusing on Schroeder to be the guy, that's a major question mark. So with all that being said, you know, Charlotte losing Jeremy Lin as a backup. Charlotte losing Courtney Lee, they've lost a lot of depth. So I think that there's a lot of unknowns and un- a lot of uncertainty. And if you look on paper, the Knicks do have one of the most talented clubs. So it's all about it happening. And Carmelo, you know, historically has played super well coming off of Olympic gold medal uh, performances. So let's keep our fingers crossed. I think it's a good track to happen. Sean, you were supposed to say the Knicks are going 82-0. and Yeah, we're going 82-0. <laughs> And that's and that's not including preseason, right? Oh yeah, we gotta count that in. So that'd be like ninety, I think, right? Yeah, but we, you know, yeah. Derrick Rose wants the Knicks to go ninety and zero. Uh, 
I mean, when I heard that show, and I thought it was funny, I thought it was hilarious. I'm like, hey, maybe he's just ready for the year. I mean, I'd rather have him conf- that confident um, in in late August um, going yeah. into the year. Maybe he's confident, he's ready, he's uh, he's focused, he wants to, you know. I, I, I real quick, I think his thing with coming here and and the way everything happened with Chicago is that he wants to prove people wrong, fans wrong. He wants to prove Chicago, the, the Chicago Bulls wrong, thinking that they probably gave up on him too early. And um, right. whether they were going in a different direction with Jimmy Butler taking over the, the team, you know, he, he, you know, Derrick Rose has that chip on his shoulder. Now he's going to do everything he can to, to play in, in every game or majority of the games and stay healthy. And I think that we're going to get a big-time rejuvenated Derrick Rose. I'm not saying 2011 Derrick Rose, but if we get anywhere near that, Sean, uh, a guy that can take the load off of Melo and Porzingis and create, uh, you know, off the dribble. I think, you know, you, you mentioned this a while ago that when it comes to New York Knicks and the point guards, we just don't have that elite Point guard, we, we, I think we haven't had it since since Marbury was here, and a guy that can that can score. Uh, Derrick Rose may not be that great in shooting the basketball, but a guy that can attack the basket. Uh, he'll get double team. He'll he'll kick it out to to the open man. And Melo Melo doesn't have to take twenty five shots a game, thirty shots a game. Porzingis doesn't have to take twenty twenty five shots a game. A guy like Derrick Rose can create that for them or take the load off of them. Joe Kim Noah. He doesn't doesn't even need the basketball to 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 run a play. So I think mm-hmm. you know overall I think getting him he's rejuvenated he's happy he thinks we're going into two and zero. I'm like okay cool dude whatever. <laughs> um, just get me 42, 45 wins playoffs. Let let's let's make it to the Eastern Conference semifinals. Let's see how it goes. Everybody remains healthy and. Um, Overall, you know, you know, like Amari said, the Knicks are back again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if we do what you just said, it's going to actually, in the long term, make Porzingis the better player than if he was playing on another bad team. And 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 you hit it on the head, man. And and that it's, if that happens, we're good to go. So hopefully, let's, let's buy for that, right? I mean, that's that's all we're kind of hoping for. This incremental process with a with a bunch of players that that actually care about being Knicks and, and play for the city. Sean Aquino, you are the host of the NYK Exchange Podcast presented by NYKinformation.com. You're on Twitter at S-A-Q-U-I-N-O-34. Uh, before I let you go, let's talk about um, your podcast. You know, when, what time does it come on? What days for the, mm-hmm. so the fans can hear it and where, where they can find it? Yes, uh, well, thanks so much, man. Yeah, we're on iTunes, so you can subscribe by going to the NYK Exchange podcast. Uh, uh, we haven't done a show in quite a while, so uh, Chris Delgado, who's known in, in Nick's Twitter land, he and I host the show, and we've uh, usually just, whenever things happen, we'll go on and we'll do a podcast. So if there's nothing really set scheduled, I'm sure we're going to do something back again, probably a little bit after training camp starts, probably late September. Um, and then we'll probably do some shows once a week as the season progresses. But, yeah, Leon Jacobson, a big fan from Australia who runs the at NYK information uh, website and Twitter account, they, you know, he, he said, you know, we're all buddies, and, you know, he asked us to do a show, and then we said, hell, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. So it, it's, it's really great fun. Um, 
and uh, it's on, like I said, it's on iTunes. So probably do some call-in shows um, uh, moving forward. But right now it's just Chris and I, and it's been a lot of fun. So, yeah, thanks for, you know, mentioning it because, yeah, it's a, it's a new thing, and it's been pretty cool. And this season we have a lot to talk about, so I'm sure we'll have you on um, moving forward for sure. You know, it's so funny, and that was going to be my last question. So, when am I going on this this show? When am I? When, <laughs> yeah, when am I, I know. Up? I got to talk to Chris. You got to set that up. I, I want. Yeah, shit. Maybe you can be the you know the first guest. I got to talk to Chris about it. But I think the training camp starts September twenty sixth. So usually, you know, they have a press conference. So we'll probably do a show a little bit after that to talk about all the quotes and all that good stuff, and uh, and and have you on. So I'll, I'll hit you up, and and we'll plan it coming up soon. First guest, man? No, no, no. That, 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 that's, that's too much pressure, Sean. Too much pressure. Okay. Okay, okay. Maybe, uh, I don't know. We'll do something in the preseason or something. A little bit before. We'll look ahead and we'll get your analysis. And then we'll have some games under our belt. And we'll actually be able to talk about how the Knicks look on the court and the bench players and all that other good stuff. Real quick, do you do you plan on coming to New York to check a game out like you did before? I don't know, man. With my six-week-old baby, I don't right. know. My, wife, my wife's always down to, to travel. She keeps on actually talking to me. She's like, I think we can do it. I think before the baby gets bigger, I think we can make a trip out there. So and maybe we do, maybe we don't. I don't know, my friend. I don't know. If I do, I'll let you know. Hey, man, either way, I know you'll be watching 3,000 miles away. You, you'll still be rooting for them either way. And um, like I said before, either I go on your show or you come, on, you go on mine again. Always a pleasure talking NBA and basketball and, and Knicks with you, Sean. Again, you're on Twitter at S-A-Q-U-I-N-O-34, Knicks Exchange Podcast on NYKinformation.com. Sean, thank you, man. I appreciate it. No, me too, Randy, from the bottom of my heart. Thanks again, man. Appreciate it. No problem, man. Anytime.